It is Locked In, brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems on the ref. No Tyler McComas today. Parker Thune here with you from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios in Norman, Oklahoma. We talk a lot of recruiting on this show. We try to, at least. Unfortunately, we just so happen to be in the middle of a dead period right now throughout the entire month of February. But as we welcome Travis Davidson to the show live from Tulsa. Travis, Brent Venables, amidst it all, decided to throw us all a bone yesterday and give us all 26 of the newcomers to this Oklahoma roster in spring ball, incoming early enrollee freshmen, as well as transfers. They all were made available to the media yesterday over the course of a Thursday afternoon at the Mid-First Bank Club at Owen Field on the campus of the University of Oklahoma. So, Travis, for the first time, we got to hear from some of these guys, obviously Jackson Arnold and Peyton Bowen, two guys that are no strangers to the limelight, no strangers to the public eye, but it also gave us an opportunity to hear from Trace Ford. We heard from Rondell Bothroyd. We got to meet Desan McCullough, Phil Pachotti, who's barely done any interviews over the course of his recruitment, was made available to reporters. So I don't know how much you've gotten the opportunity to catch up on from yesterday's facilities or festivities. Excuse me, Travis. I'm thinking facilities. My my brain is on the $175 million circuit, apparently. But from the festivities yesterday, what stood out to you? I think it wasn't any one specific quote that really stood out, Parker. I think what stood out was Brent Venable's willingness to make everybody, including transfers, including early enrollees, available. That's incredible. When you think about really the most recent history of the program, I mean, everybody wants to think, well, you know, Tebow or Muleshoe, whatever uh, the operating name is uh, on Locked In, wouldn't allow freshmen to speak, right? Well, even Bob Stoops wouldn't allow you to speak until, you know, you'd played in a game. So this is really unprecedented territory. Um, and, I mean, it's just awesome. The quotes, uh, you know, I think of Josh Bates talking about how, you know, he's a loyal guy. He's going to be here for four years. Uh, we knew he was loyal based on his recruitment. He talked about wanting to, you know, fight people down there. He really, you know, that Bill Biedenboe, um kind of prototype attitude really shown through with him. Uh, you know, you get to talk to to guys uh, like Ashton Sanders, who comes from L.A. It says, hey, um, you know, I don't want to be in the big city. I'd rather be where it's a little more peaceful. And everybody will say, hi, how are you? Or, you know, ask you, say what's up. Say, you know, any if they can do something for you. That kind of stuff, you can actually almost market this, Parker, as, hey, in the NIL world, you want to build your brand? Come to Oklahoma. We let you talk before you even gone through spring practice. And you know, it's interesting. I, Ashton Sanders, if he isn't already a fan favorite, he will be after I drop the story on him that I'm going to write up from the one-on-one that we got towards the end of yesterday's sessions. And I won't spoil the whole thing, but one of the things he said that the people will love to hear is he said, Oklahoma is so much better than California. <laughs> and well, you can course. understand why that'll play so well yeah absolutely yes they will definitely uh they'll definitely like that one but yeah i mean it was it was great hearing from from guys like trace talking about the rivalry. i thought i thought there were a lot of really good questions asked um so shout out to all of our our media brothers and yourself for uh, uh doing such a great job but i'll tell you what 
you know, what the soundbite that really kind of took off was Peyton Bowen's I'm booming that he told to uh, Jackson Arnold, of course. And then Eric Bailey puts out a story that says that Peyton Bowen tried to send in Oregon paperwork, but he forgot to write AM or PM <laughs> on the time. It gets sent back, and he says, oh, you know what? I want to go to Oklahoma anyways. I mean, that's that's a story that, depending on, you know, I think Peyton Bowen's going to have a great career. Depending if, if that career is really elevated, uh, you know, that's a massive story. That's almost divine intervention there, isn't it, Travis? Because it's incredible. Obviously, we knew that Peyton Bowen was very, very close to becoming an Oregon Duck. I don't think anybody had a full understanding of just how close that was. But in the end, he's a Sooner. He gets to room with his buddy Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma. And one of the things that I found very interesting that came out of yesterday's sessions, Travis, was that Oklahoma's going to work Peyton Bowen at Cheetah. All five foot eleven, 188 pounds of him. And so if that right there doesn't tell you that Peyton Bowen's a dog playing a position alongside a guy that's a sixth year college football player in Reggie Pearson, a guy that's six foot five, two thirty-five in Desan Makoa, and another guy that's six foot two, two twenty-five in Justin Harrington. That right there is all the proof you need that there is belief that Peyton Bowen's gonna be a stud and that he's capable of holding his own physically at a position where maybe it wouldn't make the most sense ostensibly for a guy of that body type to situate himself. Right, right. You know, and of course, everything we've heard about Peyton Bone so far is how quickly he's picking up the playbook, uh, how he's really, you know, vocal, and he's, his football IQ is off the charts. If you think about this Brent Venable system and how it differs from other systems around the country, you have to have that football IQ in order to succeed immediately. And, you know, I was talking with Dowell Loggins uh, during football season while, you know, he was the Arkansas tight ends coach. Now he's the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. And he had, he had compared Peyton Bowen, who he'd seen in person many times, uh, to Jamal Adams. And Dowell Loggins was with Jamal Adams on the Jets. So this wasn't a guy he was just turning on the film for. This is a guy that he was in the same building as. When you start to hear that kind of praise from guys that have been in the college coaching and pro coaching ranks, you start to believe there's something a little different about this guy. And, yes, I mean, to be in that room in, in consideration for Cheetah, it just shouts playmaker. That's all, that's all I think is playmaker, 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 much uh, like we saw kind of Billy Bowman uh, coming out of Denton Ryan was, man, this guy, we got to get him the ball. we got to put him in, in areas where he can make plays, and that's what I think the cheetah position is. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That's where you'll want to go for all of your thoughts, questions, opinions throughout the show here on Locked In on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Uh, I'll tell you what else intrigued me from yesterday, Travis, and it's something I heard regurgitated by several of the freshmen that I talked to. I would say the majority of them. And I didn't get around to asking all of them this question, but I I quite simply asked, hey, are they feeding you enough? And oftentimes the response I got was, I've never eaten this much in my life. And it was interesting to hear Austin Stogner say, the food here, the nutrition is so much better than it was when I left. So obviously Stogner coming back, he's had a year away amidst all of the change that has gone on from the Lincoln-Riley era to the Brent Venables era at Oklahoma, all he knows, all that's embedded in his mind, is Lincoln-Riley's Oklahoma 
And he comes back and he says, look, if there's one thing that stands out to me, it's that this nutrition program has taken a step up. That's encouraging. Oh, it's very encouraging. And I think Stogner is going to be a fantastic uh, kind of uh, case study, if you will, of the differences of the program, right? Because he went from the Lincoln-Riley regime ran OU to the SEC. And I know people want to say, oh, well, South Carolina, you know, it's not Bama. It's still in the SEC. They're having to play those people. Uh, you know, if you've seen kind of their their home game, you know, pregame show and third quarter stuff, I mean, it's full-blown SEC. You go to that and then coming back to Oklahoma, really getting to learn his uh, – um, you know, compare, comparing and contrasting of those programs is fascinating. And I think, you know, Parker, I've talked about this a bunch, a healthy Austin Stogner is going to do absolute wonders for this offense. I think in the red zone, I think in the intermediate passing game. I mean, OU fans, the last time they saw him, he was not healthy, not even close to healthy. He was way undersized, had lost a ton of weight, and then he was off to South Carolina. So I think Austin Stogner is going to be a guy that's going to make a lot of people happy. And he immediately becomes the starter at tight end for Oklahoma. Uh, immediately the number one option. There's not really a question about that. I, you know, another interesting thing I found out yesterday is that obviously Austin Stogner wore 18 his first go-round at the University of Oklahoma. But he transfers back, and guess who already has number 18 on the offensive side of the football? Caden Helms. Caden Helms, yep. Exactly. And so Stogg's walking out at the very end, and I ask him, hey, you going to fight to get your jersey number back from Boogie? And he goes, man, I, I tried to. I asked him if he'd give it up, and he was just kind of like, nah. So I'm flipping it. I'm going with 81. So Austin Stogner's going to wear 81 his final okay. year of college football at the University of Oklahoma. Hey, that is a very mature way to handle that. Say, hey, just that's fine. That's fine. I'll just flip it. We're good. We're just going to – we'll do it in 81. We'll, we'll make the 81 number famous. Uh, no, that's fantastic. And especially, you know, when you talk about that, I've never eaten this much in my life. You think of, you know, back to, you know, your high school times, Parker. I know you were a busy kid, uh, you know, whether it was calling games, whether it was just hobbies in general. But sometimes you don't – you don't just stop and eat a bunch. Like, there's not a lot of schedule, just big meals. These guys, when they arrive on campus, eating is part of your job. And uh-huh. and and that's what the OU staff is treating this like. Eating is part of your job. So, that's, that's I mean, they talk about, you know, beefing these guys up and, and getting them up to, to certain weights. Man, this uh, this is it's exciting stuff to hear that, that every facet is being upgraded. Yeah, couple on that note, a couple things that stood out to me talking to the incoming freshmen yesterday. Uh, obviously, they did measurements right when they got to campus. And so P.J. Adabare was a guy that was playing at about 225 pounds at the All-American game at the beginning of January. He measured in at 226 when he got to Norman. I asked him what he weighed yesterday, and he said, I'm up to 238. So that's a guy Cheers. that's put on 12 pounds in a month. Eric McCarty, because of his injury and a concurrent illness, dropped all the way down to 165 pounds shortly before he got to campus. I asked him what he weighed, and he said, I'm up to 180. So, 2K studies right there. A guy that's put on 12 pounds his first month in the strength and nutrition programs at Oklahoma, and another guy that's put on 15. Yeah, and that's and it's important for people to think because I know there's some people uh, listening right now that thought huh, twelve pounds in a month. I've done that after a week in Vegas. What are you talking about? Um, 
this this is good weight. This is this is good weight. These are on, you know, D one athletes, especially a guy like PJ Atabare. I mean, that guy has the frame to carry pretty much as much weight as you can put on him. Uh, so really excited about that, and really excited about. It seems like Parker, we've we've talked about this. Year one is all about install it's all about you know there's a lot of new right there's hey uh you know i gotta pick where i'm gonna live and then i can figure out where to you know where my kids are going to school and i gotta figure out you know who's gonna cut my hair like all these little little things that happen whenever you know a bunch of people move to a new spot well now that the coaches are really kind of settled in day one it is development 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 now of course there's going to be install you know schematically and whatnot but this is full speed ahead. SEC's coming. We got to we got to get a really good year under our belts before we make that move. And I I would argue, and I don't have the the quotes to back this up, but but I would argue you see more development with these early enrollees than you did with the last early enrollees, just because of the timeline. And another thing you have to keep in mind too is that we ha- we we talk so much about recruiting and the value of recruiting blue chip prospects. But what we so often tend to forget is that development is just as part and parcel of a coach's responsibility as recruiting is. And so it shouldn't alarm anybody looking at you, Doug, from Norman, to see that Brent Venables recruited and signed a three-star kid in Phil Pachotti because when you look at Brent Venables' track record, that's a guy that has repeatedly been able to develop three-star players into not only starters – and all-conference talents at his program, whether that's been Kansas State or Oklahoma or Clemson in the past. But in some cases, looking at somebody like Isaiah Simmons, those guys have turned into really good NFL players and first-round draft picks. So if you can develop, sometimes you don't need to recruit an elite level because you're going to have elite football players on your roster within three or four years, regardless of where they ranked. As recruits. All right, keep the text coming. 405 651 3439. This is locked in on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Keep it here. Locked in rolls on here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. We are live to listeners all across the state of Oklahoma and worldwide on the KREF app. Shout out to all of our loyal app listeners. Tyler McComas isn't here. Usually this is the part of the show where he would run you through all of the various small towns and big cities, for that matter, all across America and the globe where our ref listeners are tuning in today. I do not have that map in front of me. I can't do Tyler's shtick as far as that is concerned. But wherever you're listening from, just know that we value every single member of the Ref Army. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you. Keep the texts coming. On the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. And to tack onto the conversation that we wrapped up last segment with, Travis, one listener on the text line says, there's a guy that does a radio show in about 40 minutes that was developed under BV, and that would be two-star Teddy himself. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that worked out just fine. And I I think – Personally, and and this isn't just a hindsight is twenty twenty situation, Parker. But when you could run like Teddy could run, and you were as big as Teddy running that fast, I think if I think if recruiting services were what they are now, 
and maybe he was, you know, in maybe one of the more populated schools or anything. There's no way in the world that that guy's not a blue chip. But, yes, Brent Venables can develop with the best of them. We've seen that. Parker, what do we always bring up when we talk about, well, you got to stack top five classes to win a national championship unless you're Clemson, who did it with Brent Venables uh-huh. when they had no top five classes. So development is big with this staff, uh, and, again, we're seeing it early. And to that point, I think that's why it's so odd to me that people are concerned about whether Phil Pichot, I shouldn't say peeper, people, what, why people like Doug and Norman, for instance, who is a noted uh, Phil Pichotti dissident. I, I don't know why there is this belief that Phil Pichotti isn't good enough to make it at the University of Oklahoma, because for one thing, you seen the size that that cat has? Travis, six foot three, two hundred thirty-seven pounds was his initial listing as an incoming true freshman. Yeah, that yeah, is uncommon size. Not only that, but if there's a coach that you can trust to get the most out of three stars, it's certainly Brent Venables. I understand if maybe there's a coach on this staff that's a little bit more unproven and you're concerned about whether he's going to be able to develop a three-star effectively to the point where he becomes a regular contributor and a member of the starting rotation for Oklahoma. But a guy that's recruited by Brent Venables and a guy that's going to play the position that will be coached by Brent Venables, I don't know why there would be any concern regarding such a player as that. No, I I agree. We've got got precedent, no doubt. And, I mean – if for any reason you are skeptical about it, right? Like, say you're like, oh, man, there's something about Pachati's film or something like that. I'm just not feeling. Like, I feel like Brent has at least earned the benefit of the doubt over the last 20, 25 years to, to, to not go above and beyond to be like, nope, that's the guy, that Phil Pachati guy. No, sorry. I don't want that guy anywhere near a crimson uniform. Uh, but. I, I was looking for something a little more imaginative from him on his favorite Italian dish. Obviously, Danny Stutzman uh, got the microphone himself at Media Day yesterday, uh, walked around and, uh, um, you know, interviewed a lot of the newcomers and whatnot. And he asked Phil Pachotti what his favorite Italian dish was, and he just said spaghetti. I'm like, all right. I'm, I, was, <laughs> I, I was looking for something, you know, a little more imaginative. But, uh, you know, he, the kid obviously knows where the kitchen is. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. He clearly eats well, man. Six foot three, two thirty seven. And like we uh, there are linebackers that come in bigger than others. And more often than not, I would say the, the majority of linebackers that get to the collegiate level as true freshmen, uh, when they enroll at wherever campus, not just Oklahoma, but wherever school that they choose. Generally, those are the guys that tend more towards being underweight, right? When Kip Lewis showed up last year, he was 190 pounds. That's more often the guys that you get, the guys that have to add 20, 30 pounds as time goes on. Phil Pachotti's already 237 pounds. That's already a big-bodied linebacker as a true freshman. He's not a guy that you need to pack any weight on. And so my question, Travis, is could we be looking at – this year's Danny Stutzman in that he's a guy that you don't necessarily expect him to contribute in year one just based on where he lines up in the recruiting rankings relative to everybody else in the class but because he's so ready and because 
you really only have to develop him on the mental side, not on the physical side. Is there a chance we see Phil Pachotti play a much bigger role in 2023 than any of us are anticipating, especially because you heard Brent Venables say yesterday he acknowledged that they're still relatively thin at linebacker, and he doesn't want to lose any of those guys to injury. Well, yeah, of course you could. I, I think, you know, you look at a guy like even a Samuel Mosigo or something like that, like the the body type that seems, you know, kind of college-ready, right? Sammy just put up a clip of him uh, throwing down a big dunk, uh, you know, in basketball season. So, you know, that guy is not short on athleticism. I think he rose to, what, the number four linebacker in the country by the end of the cycle? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, so I think linebackers will be fine. But to your point about size, when in doubt, and we've talked about this before, when in doubt, get the bigger guy. Like, go, like it's like if you have that frame, you know, get get the get the six eight walk on offensive lineman. You know what I mean? Like, get if 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 they put it together, then you can't teach six eight. You know what I mean? Like, you can't teach certain wingspans. You can't teach four three. Like, go get big, go get fast, and then trust your developers to mold that person into a football player that can contribute. Phil Pachotti's got the size. Now, go ahead and 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 mold that player into one that can contribute as quickly as possible. On that note, you know what number Dalen Smothers is going to wear at Oklahoma, Travis? Uh, I I feel like I no, I don't off the top of my head. I know I've he's, seen it. What is it? He's going to wear number seven. Oh wow! Uh huh. And we had a good long chat about that yesterday because obviously. That was the number DeMarco Murray wore at Oklahoma. And so Dalen's like, yeah, look, I understand there's a lot of responsibility and a lot of expectations that come with that number. And so I'm going to steward it well. I'm going to keep my nose to the grindstone. I'm going to make sure that I honor DeMarco well when I put his number on my back. Right. And and if there's a guy that's, you know, not short on confidence, it's – Hollywood. It's Dalen Smothers. I mean, the guy polishes his teeth. You know, he's got the he's got the diamond plugs in his gums. I mean, the guy is 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 about it. He's got confidence in himself, and I'm not sure uh, where he's stacking up. You know, by the time the season starts in that running back room. But if I had to pick, uh, you know, a, a freshman breakout player, whether it's you know walk on or anybody. I I really like Dalen Smothers to break out, man. I think he's got the juice. I agree. The question becomes, can he supplant Marcus Major on the depth chart? Because I don't think anybody's questioning that Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes are going to be the two top options out of the backfield for Oklahoma. And I think as Ramondre Stevenson proved back in 2019, being the third string running back at Oklahoma can still yield a pretty substantial share of the touches. But if you're fourth on the depth chart can't really expect to get a whole lot of action generally there's there's room for three contributing running backs and that's about it so if Dalen can beat out Marcus Major yeah I agree with you this guy could provide an interesting dynamic to the backfield but I think the good news is with DeMarco's room man he doesn't have to rush any of these guys along he could afford to redshirt Gavin last year 
with Eric Gray rushing for over 1,300 yards. He can afford to redshirt both Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks this year with the knowledge that not only does he have Gavin Sawchuk and Javante Barnes as well as Marcus Major, but he's got a couple of very capable walk-ons in Tawi Walker and Emeka Megwa. So when it comes to stacking, I don't know if you can point to a positional coach on this roster that has done a better job. Maybe Brandon Hall on the defensive side, but certainly offensively, there's no coach that's done a better job stacking within their positional group than DeMarco Murray. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches, of course. And, you know, I think it really comes down to, at the end, you know, I, I think Marcus Major and probably Emeka Megwa end up being your your goal line, you know, short yardage, just tanks, you know, hammers, whatever whatever you want to use. Uh, I, I think, I think that those roles are going to specifically be more suited for them, but – Man, I think if we saw anything in the in that uh, bowl game in the Cheez-It Bowl, these new uh, offensive linemen they can run block. They want to run block. They're nasty, and of course, you know, got to got to clean up some pass protection, which I do believe that they will do. But man, this offense in 2023, Parker, it feels to me like it is going to be aggressive in the run game, and I think I, I just really think Dalen Smothers is going to be a big part of that. On that note, let's talk offensive line coming up as we keep things rolling here on Locked In. couple new transfer additions to the room. Caleb Schaefer, Walter Rouse. Got a chance to talk to both of them yesterday. What's the lineup going to look like for Oklahoma in the trenches come 2023? We'll discuss that and more. Keep the text rolling. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. This is Locked In on the ref. Locked in rolls on. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson here with you on the Ref Sports Radio Network. We got so much to talk about coming out of Oklahoma's pre-spring media day. And I think that's what I'm officially calling it. That isn't what OU called it, but that's what I'm officially calling it in terms of the 26 interviews that we got yesterday, plus a good long press conference with the head coach himself, Brent Venables. Travis? Oklahoma brought in a couple of oversized offensive linemen via the transfer portal in Walter Rouse and Caleb Schaefer. Walter Rouse listed at six foot six, three hundred and twenty-three pounds. Caleb Schaefer listed at six foot five, three hundred and forty-two pounds. And having stood alongside both of those individuals yesterday, I can confirm that those measurements appear quite legitimate. And I think there's there's a stigma more so than there has been in years past around the Oklahoma football program as it pertains to oversized offensive linemen because you think oversized offensive linemen these days, who do you think of? You think of Bray Walker, who didn't really do anything in the Crimson and Cream. But that said, I think two additions from the portal that fly under the radar when we talk about what Oklahoma added in terms of transfers this past winter uh, I think two guys that are going to have a role for this program and could be in line to start are Rouse and Schaefer because these are not guys that you're taking flyers on via the portal. These are two guys that have been multi-year starters at the FBS level and come in with a breadth of experience. Yeah, and you've, you've got, again, you said it, experience. You've got experience, and you know these guys don't have much time left, so they need to make the most of it. And that's the thing about offensive line, Parker, this is not a uh, wide receiver. Uh, this is not uh, maybe some defensive back, tight end, where 
you know, you, you're doing a lot of rotating, running backs. You do a lot of rotating, right? Offensive linemen, once you get in that starting role, you don't come off the field for the, mo- the entire, you know, offensive side of the ball, the entire game. So with that, that experience is huge. And, like, th- the fact that they came here, they must have been told, hey, look, you're going to at least be in, you know, the top two rotation. You're going to start, something like that. These are not depth pieces, I would imagine, because, again, the offensive line, that's the one position where we're not doing any rotating. Once you're a starter, you're a starter. And, look, you bring guys in with experience, it's never a sure thing, right? Oklahoma got McCade Mattier via the portal a year ago, and I, I'll be honest, Travis, I was super high on Mattier. I thought he was going to be a mainstay for that Oklahoma offensive line, and though he maintained his starting role throughout the season, I think many would agree that he was one of the weaker links on that line, maybe the weak link. And so I don't know what happened there. Uh, I know he's back for year five, which he wasn't necessarily counting on. Uh, I think he kind of figured that with one year at Oklahoma, he'd have enough NFL draft stock that he could move on. But he comes back. You lose Chris Murray. It's unclear who's going to be your starter at his former position. But Caleb Schaefer is certainly going to have the opportunity to be the plug-and-play replacement there. And then Walter Rouse, I don't see any way that guy doesn't start at offensive tackle. Being a three-year starter at Stanford – having that size, having that athleticism, that's a guy that's going to be an NFL draft pick next April. It's just a question of how high he's going to be selected, and obviously his performance at Oklahoma this fall will go a long way towards dictating that. Right, and Walter Rouse is definitely a guy that you know Bill Biedenboe had prioritized in the process. Uh, I spoke with uh, Coach a little bit about it and kind of that, those last days as it was Nebraska or it was Oklahoma, and uh, – uh, you know, Levy was actually uh, one of the guys that was really aggressive, really the guy that was super aggressive in Rouse's uh, recruitment. So uh, kind of interesting when you think of, you know, portal type stuff, like, you know, who, who you know, are, are the whole staff involved in these kind of things. For the offensive coordinator to say, hey, we need you, big guy, uh, I, I think that speaks volumes to what they think of Walter Rouse and what his impact will be this year. Now, here's one thing I want to discuss, Travis, because – I worry about this happening with the offensive line. There's going to be an odd man out, right? You can only start five. And so there's probably going to be a guy like a Savion Bird or a Jake Taylor or even a Jake Sexton coming off his injury that isn't in the starting lineup when the 2023 season opens. And people are going to be wondering, well, what the heck's wrong with him? Why was that such a bad eval? What's he not doing on the practice field? And sometimes, Travis, especially at places like Oklahoma, it has less to do with the fact that you're not a good football player or you're not living up to expectations and more to do with the fact that there are just a whole bunch of other guys that are equally as capable or more capable in that same position group that leave you without a spot. Yeah, if you're at Oklahoma, if you commit to Oklahoma, eventually sign with Oklahoma – you, you have to understand that a program at this level is going to continue to try and recruit over you. You're, they're going to continue to bring in absolute studs. I mean, look at the defensive end position, right? Like, you're not going to be able to keep P.J. off the field all year. Well, look, that's the problem you deal with at Oklahoma. You look at even quarterback room in the past and in the present. Look, we're going to bring in highly talented people because it's going to make the team better. 
You know, bringing in a bunch of talent is never going to make the team worse. So, yeah, I mean, going to be an odd man out. But you know what? These guys got to bet on themselves because you know what else, uh, you know, is highly competitive? The NFL. And, you know, these people want to know, look, if, if, if you can't cut it and, and, and see the field at even a place like Oklahoma, are they going to invest a bunch of money into you, you know, put a high draft pick into you, anything like that? I don't know. I don't think so. What is the starting offensive line in your mind come September of this year? Who are the five individuals that you think earn the starting nod? Oh, man. Um, I think I'm hoping it's Chris Murray, Andrew Rank, or not Chris Murray, um, Savion Bird. I don't know why I mixed up. Maybe because they're both just nasty individuals uh, on the offensive line. But Savion Bird, Andrew Rame, uh, Tyler Guyton, and then obviously Big Sexy. Uh, I think would have ha- had that left tackle spot. Um, but Rouse, Walter Rouse. Um, and then, again, I, what do you want to do there at at the other guard spot? You go Matoyer. Um, I, I still like him there. I don't know. So I'll probably go with him there right now. Um at least at this point, at this point of uh, the, the before the spring predictions, does that pretty much align with yours, or what are you thinking? It's weird, man, because at this point a year ago, we all knew exactly what the offensive line was going to be come right. the fall. It was crystal clear. There was absolutely zero question as to what your starting five was going to be. The, obviously, Wanye Morris's suspension at the beginning of the season kind of briefly threw a wrench into that, but everybody knew that it was going to be Harrison and Morris at tackle. It was going to be Murray and Matire at guard, and it was going to be Andrew Rame at center, health permitting. This year, I think Rame's obviously your center. I I don't know, though, because when you think about the guards, Matire, Schaefer, Savion Bird, Jake Taylor, pick two. You only get two. The offensive tackle position, Jacob Sexton, Tyler Guyton, Walter Rouse. Pick two. You can only start two. And so I I legitimately don't know, and I don't think we will have a very clearly defined idea of who's ahead of who until we get to see at least several weeks of spring ball. And I don't know what the spring game will tell us, how much we will be able to glean from that as far as offensive line play and who has the leg up to start. I think what you're encouraged by right now, if you're an Oklahoma fan, is that you probably have nine to ten guys right now in Bill Biedenboe's room that are more than capable of being adequate starters for this football team. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, you touched on it. I think the main thing is where does Jacob Sexton, you know, get his a starting spot? Not that he had a starting stop, spot, but I think a lot of us assumed that he was going to be the left tackle uh, next yeah. year before that injury. What happens when he gets healthy? Because, man, Guyton and Rouse at that point, I mean, those are two NFL players too. Do you say, hey, look, you know, I just I just don't know. You've got, you know, Taylor and Sexton right there kind of ready to the Jakes to make that next jump, and you'd like to see him out there, but I don't know. you got to deal with the guys that maybe gave their last year of eligibility you know, do you plan for the future, or is it just look? You got to play the best guy. This is big boy football. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Because if Jacob Sexton doesn't suffer that ACL injury, 
does Oklahoma even go get Walter Rouse in the transfer portal? I think that's a fair question as well. So yeah, sixth, I don't think it's a need. I don't think I think it's a, a want, not a need at that point. Yeah, so I think Rouse was initially well the the pursuit of an offensive tackle was an insurance policy for Sexton's injury, and they ended up with a really good one in Walter Rouse that I think is going to be good enough to start of his own accord, even if Sexton is 100% healthy. Again, there are going to be guys that are the odd men out in this rotation. And this is going to be the case at Oklahoma, not just in the offensive line, but at every position group across the board as you continue to stack in the years to come and as each of these staff members continue to improve their rooms year over year. You're going to start losing guys to the transfer portal that maybe you were excited about. And maybe they go three, four years at the university without seeing the field substantially just because there's too much depth at their position. So I think that's what you're going to have to get used to if you're an Oklahoma fan, especially making the transition to the SEC, is there will be portal turnover every year, and it's not always going to be like it was this past offseason where you're just cutting dead weight. There are going to be years where you lose guys that you didn't want to lose just because they want to get on the field earlier than they have a path to at Oklahoma. We're going to be back to wrap up Locked In on the other side. Keep it right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. One more segment to go. And then it's Teddy and Travis on the rush coming your way at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Final segment of Locked In here on a Friday on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson with you for about five more minutes. Travis keeps rolling at that point. Teddy Lehman will jump in in my stead for the rush. They'll take you all the way to the finish line at 6 p.m. Three more hours of sports talk ahead from Travis and Teddy. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. You got any last-minute texts, fire them at us. And this is kind of what I was getting at with that conversation last segment, Travis. One listener said if they don't start Savion Bird this year, they'll lose him to the portal. Look, that's probably true. Not a whole lot of guys that were as highly recruited as Savion Bird was are going to sit and wait their turn for three full seasons at a place like Oklahoma or any place for that matter. But again, those are the problems you're going to ha- – I, I shouldn't say you're going to have to deal with. I would say those are the problems that you hope you're dealing with at the University of Oklahoma, right. especially That's a good once you problem. make the move to the ACC. Or SEC, excuse me. There are way worse problems to have than that. Right. Then you end up uh, you know, running into what Oklahoma State ran into this past year was they had a couple of offensive line meeting at hurt, and they had nobody behind them that could keep their quarterback upright. And that was a lot that went into their kind of end-of-season skid they went on uh, to wrap up their season. So depth is good, of course. Savion Bird is a guy that the staff is extremely high on. Um, it, you know, it was just kind of taking all that good energy uh, that he has and, and make sure it was being channeled in the uh, appropriate way. And I think if he does that this year, then he's an NFL guy through and through. They expect him to be a, an absolute like top two round NFL guy. Uh, Per one of our listeners on the text line, things have gone final between OU softball and Longwood. Sooners getting a 10-0 run rule victory. So another one in the win column for Patty Gasso and crew. No surprise there. Yeah, Jordy Ball was going off. Uh, I was tuned into our own uh, Chris Plank uh, a bit earlier watching it. And, 
man, it was wild. They couldn't find the strike zone. Longwood couldn't at all. They were walking runs in, just all kinds of nonsense. And Jordy Ball was up there just fanning people. I think uh, when I when I switched over to radio, I think she had six, maybe seven strikeouts, something like that, uh, and just having her way uh, with Longwood. Uh, OU softball, you know, bats come alive. And we'll take a we'll take a nice little run rule. Always good time. And then baseball, of course, gets started in two minutes. Last thing before we wrap things up on this Friday, Travis. Okay. Brent Venables talked quite a bit about Jaron Canick yesterday, and highlighted Canick as a guy that, as a true freshman, had never played linebacker in his life, and that didn't really understand that playing defense consists of whooping somebody and making a play. He said Jaron Canick was real good at making a play. Not so good at whooping somebody on the front end. And so I think that's the reason, and especially as Canick prepares to get another spring under his belt at Oklahoma, that's the reason why there is such a high expectation for that kid in year two, as we expect one of the starting linebackers in Brent Medible's defense. Yeah, you got to give the fans what they want eventually, and they want Canick. They have, they have not been shy about that. Canick, a guy... Just by virtue of his speed, his physique, his tough-nosed play, a guy that certainly, if you got him alongside Danny Stutzman for the next two years at Oklahoma, that's as solid a foundation for a linebacker core as OU has had in some time. That's going to do it for Locked In for myself and Travis Davidson. It's going to put a bow on this Friday, but don't go anywhere. Travis and Teddy got you for three more hours on The Rush coming up next. Keep it here on The Ref.